Thanks, Trevor. Good evening. Um, thanks for coming out. <laughs> I hope you're still saying that at the end of this. Uh, uh, tonight, we're going to continue the series of You've Got uh, Mail, uh, which is focused on the ch seven churches that we read about in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. And tonight, in particular, we're doing the fifth church, which is Sardis. Um, just a wee bit of a recap initially on, on Revelation 1 and what we've looked at um, recently um, before we go into Sardis. Um, this book has been written by John, who is a disciple of Jesus and also an apostle. And he is on exile in the island of Patmos, which is just off the island, uh, what is modern day Turkey. Um, and he is worshiping in the spirit. I don't know exactly if that's something you do often, but he is worshiping in the spirit and he has a prophetic message that he is asked to write down. And that is why we today have the book of Revelation because he's been faithful to that. Now, Revelation isn't the easiest book to understand, and many people have spent many years trying to understand it and give us all the advice, and sometimes you can get a bit complicated, and other people just find it so mystifying they don't go near it. But in chapter 1, verse 3, John writes that the readers of Revelation and the hearers who have a heart will be blessed, and so there is a richness to bless the church today out of this prophetic vision. And I think that's something we need to remember the whole way through Revelation. If you decide after the series to sit and read it, or if you are reading it at the moment, it might sound complicated, and some of it is, but we will be blessed by it. John is face down when he sees the vision because he is so overwhelmed by the vision of who Jesus Christ is. And I think we need to remember that Jesus' power is overwhelming just like John was in the situation that John was. And I'm not sure when the last time Jesus overwhelmed you was, but for John, he, he was overwhelmed then. But yet, God in all his majesty decides that he wants to reveal who he is in an intimate way, and he comes to John and says, do not be afraid. And, in our, and as we see Jesus as an overwhelming power in our lives, we also need to remember him and experience him in a very intimate and personal way in a relationship with him. And do not be afraid, as it says in verse 17. Jesus is amongst seven lampstands in the vision. And these lampstands are um, the seven churches that are mentioned. Some of them we have already covered, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira. Tonight we're looking at Sardis and Robert and Dave will be looking at um, Philadelphia next week and Laodicea the following week in the evenings. But this account is on one scroll. And we have the PowerPoint here. <laughs> um, so this is um, just, you see Patmos, but you also see where the seven churches are in this one scroll that has gone, um, is going to go around these seven churches. And before we look again specifically at Sardis, there is a specific address to Sardis in every one of these churches, but also, there is a general address because everybody can hear and read this in the seven towns that it goes to. And because it is a prophetic message, there is a general message that is about being revealed to us. And that's why it's called the book of Revelation. So that revelation, that, that vision is, doesn't just stay within that context of that society. It continues through the church history right up until today and into the future. And again, 
All churches and all people who follow God and read it and hear it and take it to heart will be blessed. So although there's specific message to Sardis tonight, there is a general message for us all. So let's um, stand as we're going to read so, uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 1 to 6. And seeing as Dave's not here, we'll just remember him. <laughs> it's on the screen. I've taken it from the NIV, but it might be a more modern NIV than some of you. But. Verse 1. And to the angels of the church in Sardis write, The word of him who has seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Okay, you can take your, your seats. I know your works, you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. It's not a great start. <laughs> Whenever you read anything about Sardis, it always talks about the church that is dead. So it could be a very short sermon, <laughs> but, but hopefully we'll find some, some stuff in here that we can work with um, to see where Sardis is at, because we don't know where it's at. We haven't got the specifics like we found in other churches like Ephesus, who've abandoned their first love or for Thyatira, who have tolerated sexual immorality in their church, or for Pergamum, who have had heretical teaching in their church as well. So we haven't got those specifics for Sardis. But what we do know from the patterns of each of the letters to the seven churches is that there is this, usually a specific reference to the geographical or the historical part of the city to what um, Jesus is saying to John in his vision. So what were some of the specifics about Sardis? It was a commercial center in its heyday, and it was built on a lot of wealth to do with the wool industry and textile industries. And wealth kept pouring into the city, so it just grew in comfort, it grew in industry. And the first coins in that area were also made in, in, in Sardis, so, so its reputation was very high as far as being a wealthy city. And it also was a very, probably quite, um, a powerful city because of its wealth. Defensively, Sardis was on the top of a hill surrounded by um, cliffs, so it was very hard to get into the city, very hard to, uh, to conquer. So very many armies just passed it by and others tried to conquer it and failed all the time. But what we do know is in 550 BC it was conquered, but there wasn't a whole lot of fighting went on because there was no guards on duty and the, the army that actually walked into the city literally walked into it and walked around it and took it because everybody was so confident in what its reputation was of being a, a, a city of defense that they had gone home and they had probably been asleep. And the thing is that it happened again 300 years later, the same thing, because Sardis hadn't learned from its first mistake. 
So the plea to Sardis to wake up is probably very much connected with the history of the city and also its geographical location. It had become complacent and it was resting in its past reputation, that it was secure, that it was wealthy. And those were no longer a reality because it had been conquered at least twice and the wealth and the industry that had been built on was now passing. Sardis's identity was built and rooted in its glorious commercial past. And so the church in Sardis needs to wake up because it has come into that same condition. As most likely it doesn't know it's actually dead because its reputation is its works are alive and it's probably living on that reputation that it is alive. And it's made me think, what do we think about reputation of churches? I wanted to just show a photograph of this church. That's the Fraternidad Cristiana in Guatemala. This is an evangelical church, probably classified as Pentecostal. It's a 12,000-seater church that has recently been built, and it's full every Sunday. It has its own helipad and its own Burger King. <laughs> it cost 12.7 million pounds to build, and it was paid for in cash. So I know Windsor has a bit of an issue with its building program. <laughs> and so we might look at this church and go, I wish we were there, <laughs> but we might not. But sometimes worship isn't, or, or a reputation isn't necessarily built on size, or built on how much the, or the building costs, or where you can go to lunch within the church building. And so what, how do we look at our reputation? How do we look at other churches' reputation? Is it built on social engagement that the church is involved in? Is it the church leaders? Is it their worship music? I know that I am learning that there's all this new worship coming out of Bethel. We're still in the Getty era and some people are still in hymns. Is that how we build a church reputation? Is it the children's work or is it the church that you may find a, a spouse in? Is that how a church gains its reputation? What we do know from the church in, in Sardis is that the reputation had diverted the attention from Jesus. And their works were lifeless because the reputation they had built was, not, was actually based on their own reputation, their own self, not Jesus. And it shows us that God is looking beyond who or what we can see into what is lying behind what, he, what we can see. And it sort of reminds us a bit of um, Samuel whenever he was asked to go into um, Jesse's household and pick, anoint the new king of Israel. And he went through all these seven sons and he, kept, or, and he kept saying, well, this must be the guy, this must be the guy. And everyone went through and none of them there were it. He says, have you any more sons? And there was one more son and it was David and he was called in. David was chosen not because he was good looking, not for his shepherding skills. And it wasn't for anything else but his heart. And that's why we read in 1 Samuel 16, 7, the Lord does not look on things that man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God's focus is on our heart in the church. It's the people who make up that church, the people who follow Jesus, are what makes a church. And it's the heart of that church that speaks to us. Reputation motivated by self-promoting doesn't carry any life. It may attract people to us, but it doesn't actually carry the life of Jesus Christ. Sardis in chapter one is a lampstand. 
The idea of a lamp is to give light that reflects a heart full of the life of Jesus. If the church deviates from that, we are no longer giving light. And what Jesus says is that he will quietly go as a thief, robbing a valuable item and come into a church and take it out because we are no longer giving the light of Christ. It's not a great prognosis for Sardis. But in Revelation 1, we also read that Jesus died and lives forevermore. And Sardis lives in complete contrast to that. It has no life and it is dead. But the hope of life comes from Jesus who died and lives forevermore. So there is hope. And the beginning of the first verse was there are, um, of verse one was there are the words of him who hold the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Now, Gordon this morning was talking briefly about angels. The seven stars briefly are angels and I'm not going there. The seven spirits are the Holy Spirit. And this is probably related back into Isaiah where there's a re reference to Jesus Christ and the spirit being, having seven characteristics. So the seven spirits is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is God. And John, isn't the first time that John's written about the Holy Spirit? In the, in the Gospel of John in chapters 14 to 16, there's also references to the Spirit. He leads in truth. He teaches. He reminds us of everything of Jesus. In Acts 2, the Spirit of Jesus empowers the church at Pentecost so that they can fill their purposes to bring light into the nations. Yes, Sardis is facing death, but the divine God himself wants to come in and change and take this church and bring it around. But this church actually can't restore itself. It needs the Holy Spirit to come in and show them again who Jesus Christ is. As in verse two and three of chapter three, we see what they have to do. They have to wake up, they have to strengthen what remains. They have to remember then what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. So wake up, come to your senses. You're resting in a reputation and a status that actually has got no life in it. You need the Spirit of God to revive you. You have to strengthen what remains. There are a few names in verse four we see that are not soiled, their garments um, are not soiled and they will walk with Jesus in white for they are worthy. So there are a few people within the church who remain worthy, who remain pure and are part of and following Jesus. Their hearts are very much in line with Christ. They're focused on him. They have the spirit working with them. They have to realize in the church that each church, each person in the church has a unique identity and a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he sees the purity of the heart of each of these people. And what he wants them to do is strengthen themselves, come back to him, and become the fuel again that this light can burn again in the lamp. He wants them to refocus on Christ rather than their efforts of influence in their comfort and their success and their wealth. He wants them to really be remembered that what they have received and heard Remember the love that Jesus Christ has for them and has that so much so that he's submitted to a criminal's death. Remember that the relationship with Jesus needs to be close to Jesus and focused on him because we're easy, he, they're easily distracted. Remember the vision they have seen in Revelation 1, the conqueror of death and Hades. 
the one who brought John to his knees. Remember they belong to Jesus Christ and they need to repent. It is a spirit who shows our incomplete deeds. They need the spirit of Jesus to show them the truth of who he is again so they can turn away from their busy lifestyles and their busy works. They need the spirit of Jesus to remind them of Jesus' mind, Jesus' actions, and what Jesus would have them do, his purposes in the world, his works in the world, not our own, or not theirs. It was W.A.W. Towser said, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on, and no one would know the difference. I think Sardis is a reminder that none of us are immune forgetting who we belong to, and none of us are immune for forgetting that we need the Spirit of God to be life in our light, life in our lives, to keep pointing us to Jesus, who is ultimately the life giver. And I think this this statement by Towser is kind of a bit of a wake-up call in itself. I had a, a lady ask me that say this week about churches shutting all over Belfast, and she said, the only churches that have people coming into them at the moment are churches that have bowling clubs. Now, I don't know. <laughs> she was of an age, maybe, that she liked to play bowls. It's good, good to see that Pulse has gone beyond that. Um, <laughs> but church, church building and its programs can be an attraction, but they aren't the life of the church. And we need to see past that. We are not a social club, and we're not a place of entertainment. We're a place of gathered people who follow Jesus Christ who are to be distinguished by what we reflect in the world, distinguished by our identity in the world. We need the Holy Spirit's guidance for this. None of us are immune to being distracted. We need to be the life and the light in dark places. How would the church have responded to what was happening in the needs of our, how as a church do we respond to the needs in our work, in our family? in our city, in our nation, in our world? Do we see the Somalis that are all over the Holy Lands? Why are they here? Can't get missionaries into Somali. Do you think God's brought them here for a purpose so that we as a church can bring them light while they are here for this window of opportunity? These are the things we need to ask God. We need to ask the Spirit's guidance on because why are we here? Well, our purpose is to be Christ's light in the world. Christian subculture is something that's grown out of the fact that we are a majority and have been a majority in most of the West. We have a whole music built on a subculture, schools, social life built on church events. We have holiday destinations for Christians. And in some cases, churches even have their own fast food restaurants. And I understand that these things have come out of trying to shelter us and trying to protect us so that we don't lose our faith. But sometimes that's the very thing that takes the light out of the darkness and people are searching for hope and searching for light and they can't find it because we're not in it. Because we're in our own subculture. Recently met a church leader from the south of Ireland and himself and I have a lot of mutual friends who have lost their faith and don't worship in a church anymore or with the church. And one of the things he commented on about Northern Ireland culture was 
that we're very much like a cotton wool industry. We, we, we can actually protect people too, too much. And what we're hearing in Sardis is that we need to strengthen ourselves. And we might be living in a comfort so comfortable that we don't want to leave it. And like in the south, they're a very small, small voiceless minority. They have had to learn how to be resilient in their faith. Sometimes we have never had to learn that because we can sit quite comfortably in a church on a Sunday and go through all the social events during a church week and never come into contact with another non-Christian. But most of us do in our, our work life. Most of us do when we're down in the shopping center. And that's why as house groups, we have been looking at how to bear fruit on our front lines. Jesus' life was radical. He swapped kingship and power for sacrifice and sacrificed it for servanthood and weakness. He sacrificed wealth for poverty and ultimately life for death. Jesus' heart is love for us. We need to understand our identity in him, growing in him, growing in that love, that love that comes so powerfully to us that it overspills into everybody we meet. We come together to worship and strengthen each other in our faith because we come together with people, the Holy Spirit within us to worship in one spirit, to strengthen each other, to build resilience so that we in love can be kingdom builders. One of the things that we had mentioned earlier was the building, bridge, uh, building bridges for Muslims next Thursday. And maybe that's some way that one of us or a few of us could go along and try and figure out, well, how do we communicate with Muslims? How do we build relationships with people who are from outside this community? But we need to strengthen our resolve and be intentional about things that bring light into our nation. We need to continue to remember. One of the things I love about this church is communion, that we come together every week to remember the bread and the wine, that we are a church utterly dependent on Jesus Christ for our life. And we are utterly dependent on his Holy Spirit to keep, continue to guide us and grow us. Jesus gave us this ordinance to remember together so we can understand our weakness in light of his strength. That we are rescued by the cross and being transformed into kingdom bringers. We have the opportunity to see our lives in contrast with Jesus and it is there that we can repent and turn ourselves around and look back at who he is. That vision that we see in chapter one of Jesus, the son of man, glorified by the father. And there we can ask for forgiveness and in that forgiveness comes transformation through the spirit so that we can be those light bringers in dark places. In verse five, it talks about being conquerors, conquerors who will be clothed in white garments that he will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before the angels. This is a promise to Sardis if they do turn it around. But the word conquer says we are in a battle. I don't know if we're all aware that we are in a battle because we might be so comfortable in our lifestyles. We might not be and we're very aware that we're in a battle. Lots of people say to me, it's really hard to get time to pray and read God's word because one of the reasons is because you're in a battle for the, to continue to read God's word, continue to pray, and you have to, there is an intentionality about it. But look at the promises. We'll walk to, that we can walk with Jesus, 
that we'll be named in the book of life and will be declared righteous before the Father. Jesus has conquered everything. The vision that John had in chapter one was so powerful that it made him fall on his face. This is not the first time. He had the same thing happen to him in the trans, uh, transfiguration that we can read in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Do we understand that we, that same God in his spirit is within us? Because we are promised that the in spirit indwells within us. That same God that had John pass out almost on the ground. That same God is walking beside us in the man of Jesus Christ and his spirit. We carry the conqueror within. We carry the conqueror beside us. He has promised to walk with us. And lots of times what we have to face is really overwhelming. But we actually have somebody who is in us and around us who has conquered that before we've even seen it. And that's why he says to John, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid because Jesus is with us. He is in us and he is beside us. And so in each of our relationships, he is there with us. So much so that he writes our names in the book of life now. As we are following him, he, our names are written there for eternity. I don't know, I've been on Facebook for about seven years and when it first came out, I really thought friends meant friends as opposed to the ambiguous, <laughs> ambiguous statement it actually does mean. And I used to root out people every so often who I hadn't seen for several years, a bit, a bit mercenary. <laughs> um, but that doesn't happen in the Book of Life. For Sardis, the name was, in Sardis the register was that the, their name was registered in the city, but if they fell foul of the government, their names were taken off. Our names are never taken out of that Book of Life. It's life for eternity. And it's something that we need to remember that our, life, our, na our names are actually in the book of life. And we are declared righteous. Jesus will confess our names before the Father and before the angels. And I think that's amazing. As you read on to Revelation, there's lots of visions from the throne room. And Jesus is in that throne room confessing our names for all eternity. That we are his followers, each one of our names because we are called worthy, because we have conquered. That word, name, that word worthy is also used for worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the son of God. And he uses the same word for us. You are clothed in white, who conquer. And that's their promise for eternity. So he is here now with us. He has put our name as his followers in the book of life. For con and, and for eternity he will declare us righteous and we will be part of those throne room scenes if we're actually following Jesus. This is open for all who seek their identity in Jesus. It's not just for the few here. If you don't know Jesus, aren't in a relationship with him, this is open to you now. Empowered by the spirit, we need his help to remember who he is and to remember to keep us awake. Remember to strengthen us, to, remember to, keep rem to keep remembering who Jesus is and our unique story and relationship with him in, in light of his life, and to keep turning to him. Our identity is in Jesus Christ, our all-powerful God, and our work is in the work of his purposes to be light in darkness. Let the Spirit teach, lead, and empower you as his church and as this church 
to worship him and do his purposes. You have an ear, let us hear what the Spirit says to the church. <laughs> 